Oh, good morning. There you go. Yeah. And good morning online. Yeah. So this is the fourth time this year that uh, I've had the privilege and the responsibility to bring the message. And every one of those times, I've brought the message on the World Christian Movement. So just a little, little review. Uh, the first time, we looked at the World Christian Movement from a biblical perspective. And we saw that God intends for all the world's peoples to admire and emulate his character. Anybody remember that? Okay. We, all right. Now, the second time, we looked at the world's Christian movement from the historical perspective, and uh, we were then impressed with the inexorable advance. The world Christian movement, God is going to do, is going to reign, and nothing is going to be able to stop that. I think we were just singing about that, okay? The third time we looked at the world Christian movement from the um, cultural perspective, and we saw that it is for our own good that God has us interacting with people from every ethnic group and every language, no matter how difficult that interaction may seem. Today, we will look at the World Christian Movement from a strategic perspective. And it is here that we get to interact with, well, collaborate with God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our big brother in the family business. I like to call it the family business, but that's the World Christian Movement, our family business. Now, if you recall, or if you were there, you will know that each time, at the end, there was an application, a real practical application of prayer, uh, something that I called prayer watch, which uh, uh, might, I have a copy of it right here. And so there's a copy of this in the lobby. Uh, in fact, there's two of them. And there is one, oh, wow. There is a candy corn where a copy of my prayer watch is going to be. So anyway, at the end of the service, yeah, I don't know how the candy corn got there. At the end of the service, the prayer watch will be right here, or there's two of them in the lobby. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to take your uh, phones, if you have it. Oops, I'll just kick the candy corn off there so it doesn't distract me anymore. Um, I'll ask you to take your phones and take a picture of the prayer watch and keep it on your phone. And what it says, each time we have that, it says to set a timer on your phone to pray once a week. Make one of the following requests at that time. And then there are four prayer requests after that. Those four prayer requests will be the points, the remaining points of the message, each request. And so we'll talk about them. I'll expand those ideas so that you know what you'll be praying for uh, uh, in a better way. And how long will we, will we be praying? Rotate through these requests 
until our congregation has sent some of our own members to live among an unreached people group. As long as it takes, we'll keep praying as long as it takes until God, our Heavenly Father, working with us in the family business, answers our prayer. And we already know that he likes to do that sort of thing. So that's what um, the practical application we've had every time. Now, I want to, I want to stress that all I'm asking, now when you, you probably are reading these uh, four prayer requests and your eyes are getting whiter, um, but I want to stress that all I'm asking uh, right now is for you to pray, to ask God. God will do something. I don't, I'm, I'm not an expert in, uh, in what God does with our prayers. Nobody is. But he has power and he will do whatever he has to do to bring our prayer requests about. And then all of those things that seem kind of impossible and, or maybe even kind of big, it will be evident. It, we will then know the next steps because he will have done something along those lines. Now, I picked the strategy of prayer because we don't really think that we can do a work of God in the world without his power. We, I, I mean, there is no, we already know what happens when we do things strictly on our own power, trying to do God's work. It doesn't work. Prayer is the foundation of every kind of thing, of every collaboration we have in, in God's work. It's his power. Now, Moving from the strategy of prayer, which is foundational, we go to the strategy of the Joshua Project. Now, you'll see it, and it's up there right now. The first prayer request is visit the Joshua Project website, click Unreached of the Day, then click Today, pray according to the prayer focus provided. Now, the Joshua, for those of you who don't know, the Joshua Project website is about five individuals working. It's a really small organization, but they're doing something big. What they are, they're sociologists, people who know uh, how to uh, operate and understand statistics. They collect data, information from all over the world, from all 17,000 people groups, ethnic groups on earth today uh, regarding their status in relationship to Jesus Christ. And then they, they rank them, red being unreached, maybe even unengaged. There is nobody in that people group uh, who are believers, and there's nobody uh, helping them to know Jesus. They are just unengaged. All the way through orange, yellow, and then green, uh, people are, are reached uh, in green. Okay, so... Um, these five individuals are giving us the information, the, the, us being the church, and not just our congregation, but the church worldwide, giving the information that is out there so that we will know how to pray. Okay? And so because they've done their work and they keep doing it and, and correcting it, 
we know that there are 7,000 unreached people groups out of the 17,000 people groups in the world. There remain 7,000 people groups yet to be reached for the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is what we are praying about. On their website, they have an option, um, the unreached of the day. And they rotate through the 7,000 unreached people groups, and you could pray for a people group. And they have uh, a little bit of information uh, about it. So on this particular day that I got this information, it was September 12th, the Jiasu people, and it has a little map uh, showing their location in the world. And there's a paragraph about uh, the Jiasu people, uh, ministry obstacles, outreach ideas, just one paragraph of each, and then prayer focus. And that's where the prayer requests are. And then we can pray for the Jiasu people. It has some other stats, how to pronounce their name, population, um, language, religion, whether or not there's a Bible translation in their language. So, and I want to announce, I did a little bit of digging, a little, little information gathering, and this very congregation, is there anybody here who knows the name uh, Doug Priest? Okay, there's one person back there. Was there someone over here? Okay, well, Doug Priest is... Uh, a missionary that this congregation supported when he went to, he went to a couple of different locations, but when he went to Kenya to work among the Maasai people. And at the time, the Maasai people were in the red. They were unreached. Today, if you go to the Joshua Project and look at the status of the Maasai people in Kenya, those people are as green as green can be. Because this congregation participated in Doug Priest's work and others among the Maasai people. They are now reached today. That is what we do. Do you want to do that again? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! We do. The Lord wants us to do that again. That is what we do. We transform people in the name of Jesus with his power and his prayer wherever we are in the world, including Monmouth, Oregon, or Independence. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to leave anyone out wherever they are on the globe in whatever language they speak. So let's do that again. Moving from the strategy of the Joshua Project, now we're going to the strategic going. Strategic going. Here's something you need to know about people who go to another people group, an unreached people group. The thing you need to know is that they're ordinary people. They're just ordinary people. And the reason why the strategy that, that we have for choosing or having someone from our local group, because that's, that's the next thing, pray that the Lord would raise up a local member of our congregation to live among an unreached people group. Like, one of you! 
I don't know which one. Maybe the person that is raised up to go among the unreached people group is in the children's program right now. Maybe they're one of the youth that will be getting together this evening. Could be one of you. But I need to stress, it is an ordinary person. And the reason why it, it would be great, more fun, if it was from our congregation, because when there is someone from our congregation, someone else from our congregation says, I went to Talmadge with him. I know he's an ordinary person. <laughs> we got in a fight. Uh, <laughs> you know. there, there's, a, there's a teacher from the congregation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I taught him. I know he's an ordinary person. So when he goes to an unreached people group somewhere and the Lord God does something amazing through this ordinary person that went to Talmadge, that you know, you know that it was the Lord's doing. Because you know that guy. You know that gal. And the other thing, they're the ordinary persons that we already love. And so it is really easy to pray for someone that you love. An ordinary person from our congregation. So how does an ordinary person end up going to an unreached people group? Well, there's two ways, two general ways. One way is a miraculous, what I call a miraculous calling from God himself. Okay? Uh, uh, do we have an ordinary person volunteer somewhere? Uh, oh, I'll pick on Tyler here. Okay, Tyler, you are in, in your living room, right? Okay, everybody picture Tyler in his living room. All right, Tyler's watching t television, okay? And then all of a sudden, the television catches on fire. Uh, so there are flames coming out of your television. And then really quickly, you look, and the wall behind your television is burning. And then the wall on the, on the side, your couch is on fire, Tyler. Your couch. And then the, the carpet. You can hear the flames now going up. And strangely, strangely, you're not hot. Your chair got caught. It's on fire, right? You can hear the flames. The smoke is billowing in the room. All right, and yet you can breathe. You should be asphyxiating, but you're not. You can breathe. And then what happens? You hear a voice in the smoke. And the voice says, Tyler. I want you to go among the Jiasu. Now, I got to ask you, if that happened, nothing's burning up, but this is weird, and you heard this voice, what would you do? Probably run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably run. I'll tell you what, it's unsolicited advice, you know, just a suggestion. Do whatever he says. <laughs> Do whatever he says. You might want to run in the direction of the Jiasu. <laughs> yeah. So that's one way. But here's another way. Here's another way people end up going. Some people who, who love Jesus just consider the situation... Maybe they were praying through uh, 
the Joshua Project website, praying for our unreached people. And then, so some people just say, you know what? I'm going to volunteer. I'm just going to go. Is that okay? People actually do that? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's not exactly a sin. You know, I mean, God is not going to say, what? Carissa is going to another nation and she's going to, to baptize people in my name and, and, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded her? Where did she get a crazy idea like that? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus isn't going to say that. I mean, it's, it's probably okay. You know what? If, if the Lord doesn't really want you to, you know, go, you know, a person to go, I'm pretty sure that the Lord will then arrange for you to stay. <laughs> the Lord will call you to stay. And when you stay in Monmouth, Independence, you are going to do a wonderful kingdom thing that he wants. So, some people volunteer. Some people volunteer. But here's the elephant in a room. All right. There's no way I can hide this. It's hard to go from a human point of view. I mean, you, you leave your family, you know, your, your extended family, mom and dad, maybe you have some children and then you're taking their grandchildren. You leave your family and you go. And then there's this other language and the places left, you know, so there's this other language and the places left where Jesus hasn't been named, uh, they're usually places that are not vacation places in the world, right? They're hard places to live. Um, I have gone, lived 17 years among an unreached people group, and I tell you, everyone in my family, including me, have had trauma. All right? So I will be the last person to trivialize going and what happens. I understand that it's hard. And yet, I ask people, all of you, to consider volunteering to go. And I would advise you to think about it in a little different way. Not merely to look at the difficulty, but to look at something else. And in order to explain that, I have to tell you my story of the octopus. Um, I grew up in Sheridan, Oregon. Yeah, I see. You know where Sheridan, Oregon is? I grew up there. Every year, uh, fantastic carnivals would come to Sheridan, Oregon during the summer, and, and we had carnival rides. Anybody familiar with fantastic carnivals? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they come in Polk County, but... So uh, we did that, and fantastic carnivals, one of the rides was called the Octopus. Okay, so I, I can describe it a little bit. It, there was eight arms, of course, and then the arms would go up and down, you know, the different arms at different times. But then the ride would go around, you know, around, up and down. Now, at the end of every arm, there was a, a seat that you were strapped into, and that seat was spinning around and around. 
Okay, so you got the idea. So the arms are going up and down. The seat on the end is spinning round and round. And I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> and in my ninth grade year of high school, I didn't ride the octopus. I didn't ride the egg beater. I didn't want to do that. You know, and especially the, I was afraid of heights. I didn't even do the Ferris wheel, all right? <laughs> I did none of that because I, I was afraid of heights. Now, um, what I did, I contented myself with, with, they had those dishes where you threw the dimes at the dishes and tried to win stuff. And uh, so I was trying to, I usually want an ashtray, a glass ashtray. I don't even smoke. Um, but there I am throwing dimes and, and winning an ashtray. Yay! I don't know why I thought that was fun. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I was doing. And Anita comes up to me. Anita was the girl with whom I had fallen deeply in like as a ninth grader. Oh, Anita. She made me late every lunchtime because after band practice, I just wanted to hang around and watch her clean out her flute. <laughs> Anita. <sighs> well, so there I was. I was throwing dimes, and then Anita comes up to me and says words that I'll never forget. She says, Joe, let's ride the octopus. And you already know what I said. I turned around. I looked at her and said, sure. <laughs> and we did. And it was great. And today I ride all kinds of uh, wild rides. <laughs> but here is the analogy. I want to ask you to think about going with Jesus, his power to an unreached people group. But I want you to think about it as if, well, I mean, Jesus is kind of like Anita. <laughs> Jesus is someone we love with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. Jesus is worth it. We move from strategic going to strategic sending. So what does it say up here for the sending part? Ask our Heavenly Father to send creatively to, to you and other members of our congregation that we may change our lifestyle. So send creativity to you and other members of our congregation that we may change our lifestyles in such a way that would allow us to give more money for reaching an unreached people group. That creativity to alter our lifestyles. The reason why I talk about this is because sending is kind of easy. When we think about the difference between going and sending, we say, oh, yeah, I want to send. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll write my $5 check every month, and then I won't have to think about it. Well, that's not the kind of sending I'm encouraging you to do. I'm asking you to do the sending as a worship to your Lord. And 
that the expression of that worship would mean an alteration of your lifestyle so that you can figure out how, with your family, how, how, what can I do creatively to, maxim, to, to get more time or more money in the service of the world Christian movement, cross-cultural uh, Christian movement, uh, to an unreached people as a sender. Ralph Winter uh, writes an article uh, called uh, A Reconsecration to a Wartime, Not a Peacetime Lifestyle. So we're talking about lifestyle here. And he has a suggestion that's even more specific than the one that I gave. So I gave one suggestion, alter your lifestyle. He says... Stay home and deliberately and decisively adopt a missionary support level as their standard of living and their basis of lifestyle, regardless of their income. And so what he does, he illustrates it by the Queen Mary. Uh, uh, the Queen Mary is this big, used to be a luxury liner in England. It's now on the coast of California somewhere. And um, it's a museum today. And when it was a luxury liner, it had, you know, a, a lot of forks, a lot of spoons, a lot of knives, you know, golden plates, nice, nice uh, place centers in their, their dining hall with chandelier, all that stuff. But it, during World War II, they transformed the Queen Mary, and it was no longer a luxury liner. They made it a military ship. When it was a luxury liner, they had about 2,000 people. That, that The capacity was 2,000 people that could be on the ship. But when it was a wartime warship, the capacity was 11,000 people. And how could they do that? Well, they did away with the chandeliers and, the, and all the spoons and the, and the nice tables. But they, you know, they had then uh, plates. Because it's a museum, they have the room divided. And so then on the other side, you have, you know, indented army plates, sporks, just that's it. Um, and the bunks, you know, were stacked up six, seven, eight bunks in, in a room. Whereas the, the, the bedroom suites of the luxury liner, you know, so they used space very differently. That's what Ralph Winter is suggesting for us in our lifestyles, to figure out how to use all of the resources God has provided us differently so that it can, as much as, we, as, much as the creativity he's given us, it can reach unreached people groups to his glory. It's just a different way to live. And so I've done the homework uh, a mission organization in this area, probably, if there were a missionary in this area, they would allocate somewhere between $50,000 and $75,000 uh, a year uh, for living. And so you can figure that out. And so whatever your income is, what he's suggesting, Ralph Winter, is you just live off of that in income decisively, creatively, and then... Give the rest. Moving from strategic sending, 
Now we're going to talk about strategic training. This person from our congregation who either volunteered or was, you know, picked by the Lord because of the flaming television, um, this person who comes forth or these people who comes forth, like I said, they're ordinary people. And the cool thing is, is they've had training. They've had basic training from right here. Everything our congregation does is what I'm going to call basic training. Um, so Kaylee Harrison, Kaylee, where are you at? Did, were you, are you in this service, Kaylee? Nope, she's working. Kaylee and, and her crew <laughs> are loving and caring for our children in Jesus' name. Probably some of, someone's getting a, a goldfish cracker right now uh, in Jesus' name. The love and the care that goes into that helps create the kind of people who might want to love an unreached people group like Jesus does. It's the only way. Um, Don Bitzer and volunteers that, that are working with her, with the youth. It could be that, that this person comes from among our youth group, right? And those people that are listening to uh, a teenager, an adolescent, in Jesus' name, encouraging them to, to love and live for Jesus, they just, we just may have the kind of person who might want to go because of the work that those volunteers are doing. Joe Pressler and the men that work with him in our men's group could come from among the men. Lisa Evans, and the women's group in our church. Everybody here in our congregation is getting basic training in the world Christian movement. Everyone here is learning to love God with all our hearts, minds, and souls, and love our neighbors. And we are the kind of people whose neighbors speak a language we don't even know. And we want to reach them. There is no other institution in the world that is trying to get people to be like that and to do that. So basic training starts right here. But if someone does come forth and wants to go, they will need even more training. They will need some advanced training in Bible, because who knows? They may have to translate a Bible in one of those languages. So they'll need more advanced training in Bible. They'll need advanced training in uh, cross-cultural communication. Because they haven't had an opportunity to do that before. And so the fourth uh, prayer request is pray that our congregation would begin a fund to provide higher Christian education and training for those he raises up. That's the kind of things we are praying for, and that is the strategy, a strategy. Now, let me ask, uh, 
every time I've delivered a message on the World Christian Movement, I've had this prayer, um, this prayer watch as a application. How many of you started uh, praying these four prayer requests already? Just go ahead and raise your hands. Anybody else? Okay. What's your name? Mary, I want to give you, if it's okay with you, I want to give you an air high 10. Okay, ready? Boom! <laughs> Thank you, Mary. That is praying right now. These prayers is so important for our congregation because that's where the power of God is. And not just for our congregation, but for the kingdom of God worldwide because the results of those prayers are going to be felt among a people whose name we can't even pronounce right now. But that people group someday, we will know their names. Maybe we'll even have some visitors <laughs> here. So thank you, Mary. Now I'm going to ask another very important question, and here it is. How many of you are going to, after this service, uh, take your phone and walk right up here on the stage and take a picture of this prayer watch so, and these prayer requests so that it's on your phone and set a time uh, during the week that you'll pray for one of those requests until we actually send uh, one of our own members to an unreached people group. How many of you... Oh, there's, there's two of these uh, slides in the the lobby, and so you can take pictures of those. How many of you intend to pray and take pictures and do that? I see you. I see you. I, yeah? Yes? Yes? Okay. Okay, just a second. Just a second. I want to give each one of you an air tan because you're about ready to do it. Ready? Okay, keep your hands up. There we go. Air tan. Air tan. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's five. That's five. We'll just do another five to make it ten. There we go. Okay. Yes. 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 And yes. Thank you again. It's so important for our congregation and the kingdom of God in general. May God bless you in the endeavor that you're about to, uh, upon which you're going to embark. Thank you for your time and for uh, your attention. Go in the peace of Jesus.